Welcome to The Tech Entrepreneur, a podcast for business entrepreneurs, business leaders, and investors who want to do more with technology, accelerate their business, and avoid the pitfalls of software development. Hello, welcome to The Tech Entrepreneur. It's Darren here, your host. And on today's episode, we've got Ashley Tate, CEO entrepreneur, been involved in uh, founding companies, scaling companies, and exiting companies. Um, I'm really excited to have you on the podcast, Ashley. Thanks, Darren. Yeah, good to. Uh, thanks for inviting me. No, not at all. Not at all. Um, so, so one of the things I was looking to talk to you in the podcast today, Ash, was a bit just a bit about your your story. I think it's it's such an interesting one, and certainly when when I was starting out in business, um, you're one of the first clients that gave Clear Sky a, a, a go. So, be forever thankful of that. But I, I, you know, so I think you know a bit about how how we started. But how did how did you get started in business, and and and, and what, what's your kind of story, Ashley? Yeah, good good question. So I guess that one of the, the most successful things I've been involved in today has been Split the Bills. And a lot of people think that Split the Bills came out because of a problem I had when I was at university. But I actually didn't go to university. I left school at 16, didn't really know what I wanted to do, although I had some very early success in the summer holidays selling mini motorbikes, which was a little bit strange, but they were just a craze at the time. And I guess having felt that tiny bit of success, I thought oh, running a business is easy. How hard can this be? So I had no ambition to go back to university, do my A-levels or anything like that. Just thought, right, let's find a business I can I can start. Wasn't that easy, as it turned out. And uh, I spent the next three, best part of three years probably bouncing around various different restaurants. TGI Fridays was place where I spent most of my time that's where I earned most of my money uh, but I, I never sort of gave up the idea that I needed or wanted to start something myself and what that I guess turned into was a business that I still I'm still involved in today or I still own Fit Property which was a, a student lettings business and when I very first started that business it was on the basis of let's advertise student property online because at that time, nobody was really doing it. It was an A4 handwritten poster in the front window of a shabby house. Now, the student market's definitely come on quite a lot since then. But to say I had no idea what I was getting myself into was is probably you know, an understatement because like, I genuinely didn't know what, what I was doing. And if I look back, I think I don't even know how we, how we survived the first probably two or three years to be honest because we were just making it up as we were going along <laughs> and uh, luckily uh, you know it paid off but it was during that time that then the idea for split the bills came along because we realized that uh, students the last thing you want to do is is pay bills and typically when they move out they're left with a mountain of them or they're all falling out over them so the idea of split the bills just seemed like okay we can do this we can help students pay the bills and we can add a bit of margin and, and make some money out of it there was probably not much more than about an hour's worth of thought went into into that and I, I remember probably the following day writing on a a blackboard a board you know sandwich board kind of a board students will pay your bills any house um, and just sticking it outside the office the fit property office Mm-hmm. And just thinking, well, let's see what happens. And within the same day, somebody walked in and was like, what's this about? And um, yeah, and we kind of just made it up as we went along. I mean, to the point where we actually had students for the first six months to a year coming into the office and just paying us cash 
for the bills. <laughs> um, and, and a whiteboard that we just tick off the name when they'd paid. And obviously that's not a scalable solution. But that, you know, evolved 10 years later into a business that was turning over uh, just short of £10 million, had paid the bills for probably nearly 100,000 customers. Mm. And, you know, over them 10 years, we learned a lot. We, I guess it's a business that I would never advise anybody gets into. Had I known what I was getting myself into, probably wouldn't have done it, but <laughs> glad I went through it and had all the learnings. Yeah, um, what a fantastic scaling over over the ten years! It, it must have been so different at the start, comparing it to the uh, to the end of the, of the journey there. Yep, yep, it certainly was, and you know, we went up and and down. You know, we at one point we had best part of 60, 60 staff, and that was kind of another lesson. You know, don't hire people to fix every problem because then people become your problem. <laughs> um, and then yeah, I think when we when I exited last year, we had round 30 so which was where we should have capped it in the first place mm, mm. yeah I, I think you see some of these where it becomes like a snowball effect of oh we just hire more people we just keep keep higher and keep hiring and then you know it's even even happened to us just a bit in kind of clear sky recently being like oh how do we get all these people are they all doing everything that we need them to do <laughs> um, mm-hmm. but yeah and then you have that yeah. chat with the accountant where they're like you need to stop hiring people <laughs> absolutely absolutely yes yeah <laughs> invest in tech not or invest in tech and very good people yeah yeah i think i think yeah i think it's it's, it's not the quantity it's the quality of the, the people as well i think it comes into it but so so i guess it, you know the scaling split the bills um if, if if you start to think of it when you first got started so that's a you're you're doing everything like completely manually and um, by the sound of it you know white, white whiteboard etc so i guess the main thing there was really finding, you know, there was a problem there that no one else had tackled or, or even it seemed like you even kind of attempted to tackle and you just kind of fed into that and, and then and then rolled it from there. Do you think that's fair to say? Yeah, yeah. You know, I think very little thought went into the business model. Right, there's an opportunity. Let's let's give it a go um, and we'll, we'll figure it out as we went along. And I think... Being young and a bit naive probably helped because I don't think I would do that now. <laughs> um, albeit, I, you know, I'd say you know, we've got a, a poster stuck up on the uh, on the office wall at the minute that says uh, we're building the plane while learning to fly. And um, it's, uh, I think that's kind of a, still a good analogy, really, of, uh, of even you know, how most. Um, good business to start because I think you can spend days, weeks, months, years coming up with the perfect business plan yeah. and the day you start or the day you start moving you realise that plan just doesn't work <laughs> or the commercials don't stack up but everything you wrote down on paper just, you know, it often just doesn't work in real life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you tend to find kind of new services or products that there's so much, so much work goes into like the theory of it, and then the minute you launch it, it's all wrong. You know, the customer's like, "I don't like that feature. I like this feature over here," or um, "or why isn't it do this really basic thing that I really needed to do?" And without it, it's useless. Um, yeah. yeah, I guess in the world of tech, that's when you see projects of, you know, like year-long projects that never see a real user on it, and then go live and just start for for a purpose. You see that like all the time in tech, especially government projects. Um, yeah, but yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's quite a good kind of parallel for for business, I guess. But yeah, I, I think so. so you, you mentioned you're kind of 
time it split the bills. That, that's when I first kind of got to know you. Ash, and I think something that you know was totally different when I came to your office that you know, that day way back in like 2018 was the kind of culture you had, or, or or even just the feeling of the company. It felt like a great kind of place to work in terms of there was lots of information going around about kind of having the right mindsets and looking after people and. And, and I thought that was that was really kind of interesting to see in a business because a lot of the times coming from more kind of corporate background, that was always something that they, uh, you know, that, that would be put on like a HR um, PowerPoint, you know, at one point during the year and never heard of again. Is that something that you kind of were, were, were focused on at, at Split about the, the, the culture and the people? Yeah, de- definitely. And I think 100% believe that if you find good people and look after them, then they'll you know they'll work the hardest they'll want to work they'll want to give and want to do a great job i think there's a fine balance to be had between kind of being throwing things at people to make it feel like a good culture and it actually being a good culture for example you know it's not uncommon now for people to have a table tennis table in the office but that doesn't create a good culture it's just something that's there as an option you know i think the real way to create a good culture is well definitely to find people that are incredibly capable and and then just give them the freedom to get on with their job Mm. you know treat them and get them to think of the business like they own it because you'll get a very different output than if they think they're in a box and they've just got to do what the person above them says Mm. That's a really good idea. That's a, that's a really good point. Um, I, get, I, get, I guess you see that, you know, especially in kind of large companies where they lose that ability to be flexible with people. I think it's a, it's a really, it's a really difficult thing to do if you if you get to that point where you're saying, well, you know, no no more ideas from you. You you on your kind of job. Yep, absolutely. And people are always capable of far more than often they realise they're capable of, and also what most of the time what the person above them thinks they're capable of yeah, yeah. And, and so, so so looking at um at kind of scaling the business from the kind of small team you had at the start to, to, to when you exited what what would you say were your kind of your key hires along the way from, from kind of from kind of ashen everything or at least being involved in absolutely every decision that was ever made to, you know to, to the end of it when, when you're kind of uh, doing more that's what I mean to the, to the kind of teams. What would you say your kind of your key hires were in terms of the positions and and that sort of thing? I think that I was probably never the person that you know, I think. Well, a lot of people that start businesses really struggle to take a step back and give control, and I don't think I've ever been that person. But in some ways, I probably was a bit too much of an extreme on the other side, in that I would probably I'd. I'd probably gave people roles in the early days because they'd been there the longest and that probably wasn't fair on them nor was it fair on the business um, because it was putting them outside the comfort zone and you know and they didn't have anybody else to learn from and when I think the business really turned around was when we realised realised that and said actually you know what we need to get the right people on the bus if you like and make sure they're capable of of delivering because as the as businesses grow you know sometimes just use a generic role but the person who's a general manager you know of the corner shop probably isn't going to be the person 
that could be the general manager of a Tesco superstore, especially if that corner shop turned into a Tesco superstore overnight or, you know, in the, in the course of a year. So I guess that's the long way around of saying, you know, it's just about having that awareness of who you've got and what they're capable of and either putting the support in place to enable them to develop. But if that support doesn't exist, sometimes you just have to look outside, I think, and and bring in people who who can who are capable because that's the only fair thing to do for the business and the fair thing to do for the you know, for maybe the people that really want that role but are just not ready for it. Yeah. I guess it's, it's always a difficult thing, especially uh, you know, in the early days where your kind of initial team are, are more like family than anything. Um, mm-hmm. But you, you're totally right. You get to that point where it's almost unfair of them with the expectations that are set on them by the business. You know, they maybe need to be absolutely fantastic at marketing and understand B2B sales inside out. But actually, well, you know, they've got absolutely no experience in that area. They've just, you know, they've just got on the train early and we're, we're a good fit then. So, yeah, I, I guess it is just a total balance, isn't it? It's like, okay, well, you invest in your team's um, personal performance and you invest in their development. But, you know, if they've got no one to learn from, it can be really difficult for them and, and the business in terms of results. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And, uh, you know, and I think taking everything we learned to split and and sort of applying that to me, you know, which is where, you know, focus, focus now, really learned a lot about people. And we've hired people on... I guess people with lots of experience who have got that kind of desire to want to be involved in a startup and are hungry for that I, I don't know that that kind of real challenge but they really own it and drive it you know they're not looking to their boss to say what do I do next it's like very flat very much like right we're all a team we're all going to do this together and we're all going to find a way it's such an exciting part of business at that stage but I, I, I guess us on to talk about Mina um, mm-hmm. we, I can't believe we've not really touched on it so far in this episode um, so so Ash you want to tell us about, about Mina I mean it, it looks like an absolutely fantastic um, service and uh, yeah I'm excited to hear more about it yeah yeah so I guess the idea for Mina came about at Split the Bills but more came about because it was we were looking at Split the Bills thinking you know great business got it stable after some crazy years of doing all sorts of having all sorts of up and downs but then it was like well, how do we grow split the bills and what other markets could we take this into and electric vehicles big you know that is an emerging market growing great going growing like crazy and i thought right there's got to be something we can do here because split the bills is all about energy i know energy don't know anything about electric vehicles but growing market and I suppose touching on what I said earlier about sometimes you can have the perfect business plan on paper but it doesn't turn out that way in reality. And I think that's kind of what where Mina started. So if I, I suppose if I backpedal a little bit, the actual name Mina came about because we were we started an energy supply business while at Split Build, which obviously I know you were in, you were you were part of Darren because you were helping us build the technology. Yeah. That was a a disaster. <laughs> not, not just well, technology. <laughs> the, the technology was great. Yeah, <laughs> the, the business was a, a disaster. Yeah, don't start a domestic energy company. Um, it's, uh, it's 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 difficult. But yeah, we recycled the the brand and 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 spun up Mina as it is today. 
And the initial concept was, can we bundle electric vehicle charging, i.e. a home charge point and the and the energy all into a single monthly payment and sell it to consumers? And we thought, great, great business. Everyone seemed to like it. Let's go out and do it. Uh, a month in, we kind of realised this is really hard. People don't get it. It seems really simple on the surface, but it's quite complicated to explain. Hmm, where else can we take this? And then started looking at looking around the EV market and realised that businesses that run fleets of vehicles have a challenge. And that challenge is they've all been given, in the petrol and diesel world, all these drivers just have a fuel card. They turn up at a petrol station, they fill it with fuel, the company pays for it. It's kind of easy. But what happens in the EV world is there are no fuel stations because where possible people are charging at home. So we thought, right, got to be a solution for that and you know we, we kind of shaped the products that Mina is now or that you know the products that Mina is now after we'd started the business you know we we put in best three four months of time thinking about how we were going to launch Mina launched it and after a month completely pivoted and and built a different product and named it a different market and you know that that's said touchwood so far been uh, incredibly successful and mainly because we built a product that again by accident more than design has become a monopoly in that space um, you know we're not aware of any direct competitors to date absolutely will be at some point but yeah it's been a it's been a bit of a journey of let's figure this out as we go along mm. so, so so was it was the key thing for you focusing down on a, on a specific sector and problem do you think that's where you've got kind of traction from yeah i think i think definitely focus because it's very easy when you start a business to get distracted and you know i'm a guess a victim of distraction every day because i easily get pulled into the you know the shiny thing but if i learned anything in the past it's about like just don't try and do everything like focus you know almost try and become the coca-cola of of a niche nail that and then then you can look a bit broader but yeah, certainly when you're starting out, focus is is key. Yeah, so it's always so uh, so uh, you know appealing to to start serving loads of different customers with loads of different products at once. I think it's I think that's like the entrepreneur mindset as well. They see a problem, they're like, oh, we can solve this. We'll just solve this other problem here too. And you, and a lot of times you kind of forget about the overhead you're incurring. Mm, um, yeah, so yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, that is. Uh, yeah, I think that's probably. The, Sometimes the biggest success of entrepreneurs just chasing those shiny things, but sometimes the biggest failure as well. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So, so in, in terms of in terms of Mina, um, how, how big is the team now? Currently, there's eight of us. Uh, there's three more of us joining next next month uh, in April. So, it's been a. I was actually just saying earlier this morning. A year ago today, there was just two of us, and we were kind of full-time but still had other things going on I mean I had to split the bills and, and then Andy our, um, our, our CTO didn't join us till July or August this year the last year but yeah it's amazing how much can happen in a year when you when you look back sometimes you think you're moving slowly until you look back 12 months and then you realize okay yeah we've done quite a lot <laughs> <laughs> yeah okay. and in terms of what's next I mean for you is, is, is it is it is it ruling out to ruling your service to more um, more customers is it perfecting the service is it, is it a bit of both what, what do you think the next plan is for me 
Yeah, it's, it's, it's both really. I think it's a balance between scale or grow as fast as we can while building the product. <laughs> um, you know, if we wait till we've got a perfect product to grow, either somebody might come in before us or, you know, people will find a different way of, of solving the problem that we're solving. And it, it is a balance between trying not to grow too fast because we'll just fall over and, and, and run out of cash if we if we put too much into product development and not in, enough into sales. So yeah, so I guess it's, it's a tightrope really of, of product development and, and sales. Yeah, yeah. I think it's I, I think it's kind of different mindsets as well. That um, I find sales the most difficult thing to get to do in a business or, or or to get right. And I think it's just maybe my background being more in tech side of things. But have you got kind of a key kind of partner there for for the sales side of it, or or is that something that you take on yourself? Uh, well, until January, you know, the sales team was was pretty much just me. Carl joined uh, us in January, so he's been, you know focus 100% on that and I think one of the hardest things in in selling a product is that it's almost you get a bit too excited in oh yeah we could we could do that and you know clients sometimes give you ideas oh, could you do this yeah yeah we can do that and then before you know it you know your, your tech roadmap is <laughs> already two years long and you've already sold or you know over promised the client something but in the early days, it's, it's too tempting to go, oh, there's a big opportunity here. If, if we just do this, we'll win him. We'll win them. And uh, starting to realise that, yeah, just only promise what you definitely can deliver because it will only come back and bite you if you don't deliver it. I think that, that's and, a good saying right there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's pretty obvious, but, that's, you know, still to this day, I'll definitely fail to do it. But... And I think the other thing we've is we've been very lucky in Mina because a EV is a growing market. You know, everyone's very excited about it. Um, but we seem to have we have developed a product that is quite unique. You know, not many people are competing in that space, and it's very it's kind of obvious as well. But if you have got something that no one else has got, you can charge a premium for it and. Um, it's far easier to sell because you're not coming up against competitors all the time. And to be honest, that's what we had in the early days of Split the Bills. And we didn't really capitalise on it fast enough because more competitors came to the market and then we just became one of many. And then it became a bit of a price battle. Whereas, you know, Mina, very different at the moment and definitely going to take advantage of, of being the only one in offering the product that we do while we've got that opportunity. Yeah, it's, it's always like a kind of first mover advantage, and I, I think it's a, I think it's a great, a, a great thing you've got in Mina, and, and I think the market's coming to you as well. Ash, I think you know the, we're kind of both aware of, of of how different the world will be with EVs, and even the next what, three years, uh, three five years, I think it'll be a, like a massive explosion in, in usage, and you're already seeing so many manufacturers, you know, committing to only providing new EV cars. Um, mm. So it's, it's it's going to go that way. I think it's going to change massively, not just the car industry, but your know, home energy production, everything. Yes. So, yeah. 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 Hopefully, I think, and I do think the EV market's growing faster than people people realise. In that, you know, I've, I'm, just anecdotally, you know, I, well, my brother is an example. Like he's the last person I thought would be getting an EV, and he's had one for over a year now. Um. A friend of mine who six months ago said, look, I'm not getting an EV until the public infrastructure's there. You know, my next car definitely won't be an EV. 
I saw him last week and he's bought an EV and it's like, okay, right, there's these people who are adamant only a few months ago that they can't possibly have an electric vehicle have suddenly just gone and bought one. And I think we'll see the growth accelerate faster than people probably think, even think themselves. Yeah, yeah. I saw the um, some uh, kind of used uh, Tesla Model 3 cars that were listed for sale were more expensive than a new Tesla Model 3. And I think that shows you the demand. You know, I think the, I think the, the second-hand one was about a year old, had about 10,000 miles, and it was more expensive than one you could order, but there's a long waiting list for it. It's a bit like kind of um, Porsches. But yeah, no, it's a really interesting <laughs> sector, and I'm excited to see where it goes. Yeah, um, absolutely. Great. Absolutely. So, so, um, so yeah, I guess just kind of rounding off the, the podcast, Ash, is there anything that you, any advice you would give to yourself if you could go back when you first started, um, you know, maybe like a, back to where you started, was it, was it Fit Property? Uh, what, what, would you, what advice would you yeah. give to yourself back then? I think I would, especially around people, I would probably say, what would I say? I would say that you've got to invest in people, but also recognise people's capabilities. Like, don't just give people a job because they're your friend or because you like them or because they've been there the longest because it's not good for them and it's not good for you. But at the same time, you know, find good people and let them get on with it. And don't throw people at problems. You know, you can... A team of five can often do more than a team of ten if they're driven to do that. Um, and especially in the world today, like, tech can fix so much Sometimes it can seem, this kind of probably seems obvious, but even some very expensive technology can pay off big time in the long run. Not just in terms of operational savings, but in customer experience and put, putting putting the business just ahead of everyone else in terms of experience and or customer experience. Fantastic. So that was that was kind of a long that was a long answer there, wasn't it? But um, full, full, full of substance. <laughs> yeah. Very, very wise words. Um, okay. Uh, so in terms of um, you know, if anyone's listening to the, the podcast episode and they want to kind of find out more about Mina's or, or a bit about the, the service you provide, you want to give a quick a quick rundown about, about what what it is and how to get in touch. Yeah. 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 So you know, the core thing around Mina really is enabling companies to pay for the electricity that is consumed or put into their company vehicles while at home with their employee (laughs) so their employee isn't out of pocket isn't paying their own energy supplier isn't messing around with expense claims it's a single invoice straight to the fleet that covers the cost of all the ev charging and yeah if you want to know more head over to our website mina.co.uk uh, drop us a message and um, either me or somebody will be in touch and we can uh, we can tell you more fantastic Ash that sounds fantastic good stuff good stuff well thanks for your time today Ash on the podcast um, no much problem. appreciate it and hopefully we'll catch up in person sometime soon thanks Darren yeah looking forward to it you've been listening to the Tech Entrepreneur brought to you by ClearSky 
the digital transformation agency for scale-ups and established business who believe you don't need to be held back by technology. Whether you need software to help your customers self-serve, a mobile app to manage customer engagement, or automation to make sure your staff are spending time on what matters most, ClearSky provides dedicated software development teams in the UK ready to take on your next project. Find out more at clearskylogic.com.